You're listening to the It's Not Your Diary podcast, and I'm your host, Ty. Here, we combine faith, tough topics, and journaling to maintain our wellness through life's everyday struggles and to reach generational healing. So get ready for some deep, eye-opening conversations and get ready to take notes. Remember, it's not your diary because what we journal about affects the generations to come. What are you leaving for the generations that come after you? Don't know? Well, let me help you. Just grab a pen, your diary, or a journal, and let's get into the show. What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? Welcome back to another bonus episode. I had to come and share a little bit bit about myself. Um, one thing that I definitely needed to do before season six starts was to just explain to everyone who's a new follower and a new listener um, who I am and what my story is and how the podcast came to be. It's been really hard to like formulate my story. So I prayed about it. I pray because I want to be able to share what needs to be shared, but also keep some things for me, you know, for later down the day, whenever God wants me to disclose those things. So um, I was, I was struggling. Like it was so hard for me and I was having such a hard time because I was feeling like, okay, well, my story is so complicated. So how can I sum it all up, but add everything that God needs me to say in the story. And then he straight up told me like, just share that. Share how complicated it was. Share what was complicated about it. Share it, like share it as complicated as it is, as long as it might feel to you to share. So that's what I'm gonna do. And I actually posted something, said a video. And it was a mom and she was saying like, you know, not everybody's story is the same. And um, the daughter was pretty much asking her, like, why don't you share this? Like, why don't you tell people these things? And honestly, like, this is the exact reason. If you saw the Instagram video that I posted, um, if you didn't see it, go check out our Instagram. I haven't been posting on there. I'm sorry. It's really how the podcast came to be. So I was at a point, a very tough point in my life where I was just like, At this point, I'm 25 and I'm feeling like, wow, like I'm an adult now and I don't necessarily know what I'm doing. I don't know my purpose. I feel unhappy. I have anxiety. I feel so insecure. I don't have confidence in who I am. I don't have anything to present to anyone in life. And I was just feeling alone. At this time, I had a boyfriend. I just had a son. And I, I, I didn't understand it. And I was like, man, you know, me and my grandma used to have some conversations and she used to say things and like now I look back and I'm like, I wish she had a journal. I wish she wrote about everything that she went through or even my mom or somebody. So like when I turned like 22 or 23, they could have given it to me and then I could have read it and I could have learned like, wow, I might go through some of these things. Um, I might be impacted by some of these things or I might have already been through some of the same things that they went through. And it would all have put it into perspective for me as to like why I've been going through what I'm going through 
and it would have allowed me to see that I can get through these same things because this is how they got through it. Um, and so, yeah, like that's really where the idea originated from because it was like, why am I going through this now? And how, why don't I know what to do now? Why don't I, why don't I know? Why hasn't anybody told me? Why hasn't anybody taught me uh, about this? I just, I didn't understand it. And so just to recap a little summary of my story, I'm going to try to make it as simplified as it is because it seems to me like it's, it could get kind of complicated, but I was raised by a single mom. My mom had me at 17. I was molested as a child and I grew up feeling like a burden. I really felt alone. Like I said, even as an adult, I still felt alone. I felt like my opinions didn't matter. And I was really feeling like I didn't matter, like my voice didn't matter, like none of that. I I just I just didn't feel like it did. I felt I honestly felt like I ended up having to be someone who I wasn't. When I was in grammar school, at times I bullied people really because I was being bullied. You know, I was called fat for most of my life as a kid growing up. And that just really made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Like I had to be ashamed of who I was. I had to be ashamed of what I look like. And now, even to this day, it's um, shaped my perspective on how I view myself and view life. And like, yes, now is the time to like really unlearn those things. But when it's rooted in you, you got to do that deep work. Because I was alone, because I my mom was so young, I feel like I really became super independent. Like even now, I'm super independent. I'm one of those people who like, I can do a lot of different things. I don't know how. And I kind of look at myself like I'm a unicorn because I've always, until like recently, I always thought that everybody could do all the same things that I could do. But my husband tells me like, no, you're just different. Like a lot of people don't have that many talents. So yeah, because I'm a unicorn though, I've always battled with not fitting in, in friend groups. You know how like it will always be like a group of friends and then like they would always be like, oh, yeah, their best friends, their best friends, their best friends, like that type of situation. I felt like when I was younger, I didn't necessarily have that until I started like uh, somebody that I wasn't. I'm be honest. And because I felt like I just never fit in, I also never felt wanted or valued. And I was always looking for love. Like as a kid, I didn't necessarily know it, but like from friends, that's what I was looking for. And then once I got in high school from men, that's what I was looking for. Well, from boys, that's what I was looking for. And I just wanted to feel special, honestly. And I ended up falling in love in high school with my best friend at the time um, when we were in high school. I mean, we're adults now and now we are married, but I'm also get to that because that's also been a struggle in itself. But at the time, like when me and him got together, I literally felt like I was living in a prison, like um, in my mind, at home. I just felt like I was in prison. Like I could only like I had this structure. You can only do stuff at this point in time. You got to do this. If you don't do this, you can't do this. And I felt like there were all these boundaries. Like I felt like there were jail bars on my life. Like I'm not doing as well as I should be in school, but like I had this need for love at the same time. So like the people who I was seeking love from were the people that who were closest to me, my friends, my boyfriend. And then I started battling depression and anxiety at the time. I don't think I really knew what was going on. 
So it was very hard while I was dealing with, but this is before I was even 18. So of course I didn't know what was going on. Then when I look back, once I got out of high school, I realized like, oh, wow, I thought that was normal. People used to say to me all the time, and I said this on the podcast before, like, why don't you just be happy? I had got on homecoming court. I remember I wasn't happy. I didn't really care. Like at home, I felt like I was in prison. School was kind of like a prison. I mean, you can't do much, but I had never had the opportunity to make my own decisions and create my own life and to feel like, like this life was was something that I should be happy in. I just always felt sad. So I couldn't be happy if I'm being honest. And it wasn't a choice. I wasn't choosing to be sad. I was genuinely sad for years, crying myself to sleep for years, worried about how I could make it to tomorrow, finding something to hold on to. And a lot of it was my boyfriend at the time, who's my husband now, who like helped me through a lot. And honestly, my friends, like my friends in high school, when I tell you, like, I'm forever thankful for all of them. If we friends to this day or not, I'm forever thankful to all my friends that I had in high school because they got me through the darkest time and I don't even think they knew. But yeah, like at this time, you know, me saying I felt like I was in prison. I had the worst relationship ever with my mom, like the worst. But it's crazy now how God works because now I have a lot of love for my mom. You know, I love her. So like we've come a long way and that's just by the grace of God. High school, we we had the worst relationship. Then going to college, getting my dream job, having a perfect relationship. Like me and my boyfriend, for years, our relationship, I felt like it was perfect. You know, we kind of had, we hit a lot of bumpy patches, but we could always work through them. But like when I say we were always best friends, like our relationship was so amazing. We used to like go partying every weekend. Uh, I was going out to clubs and stuff two years straight. When I say I was in the world, I was fully just in it. And then like this is when my world started to shake. Finding out that my boyfriend at this time, it was we had been together about eight years, I believe. Somewhere around there, seven, eight years, nine years, something like that. When I found out he was cheating on me. The hardest part is I ended up staying anyways. Like I said, I was looking for love. I had this this feeling like, well, like I've invested all this time into this relationship and we're supposed to be, this is the year I found out he cheated on me was a year he was supposed to propose. Uh, he had it all planned out. And like, when I say everything this year, it shook, it has shaken like my whole relationship to this day. Uh, the year of 2017 will go down in the books for like the toughest year of my life. Even after like my grandma passing away and me, me getting my dream job, like, like that all happened at the same time. So I stayed, I found out he cheated and I stayed and then I got pregnant. And then after I got pregnant, I went to therapy. I knew that I had a lot of healing to do. If I was going to become a mom, like I needed to heal from all the stuff I've been through the past. At this point in time, it had been two years since the whole cheating thing had happened. So like I was preparing. I had read so much about becoming a mom, giving birth. And they say, you know, you got to practice for childbirth. If you don't practice, you need an epidural. You're not prepared. So I practiced. I did everything that I could. And then at this point, I knew it was God because I felt like I was being so controlling. I felt like I was doing everything. I, 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 again, thinking that I'm in control, thinking that this is all about me. 
But like, this is where I feel like, God, this was the first huge step that when I look back, I can tell that this was just fully him um, shaking my whole world because I ended up having a traumatic birth with my son. He ended up going to the NICU. He had to stay there for two months and it was just hard. Like him getting shots every day, seeing him screaming every day for two months. This is like over 60 days that, and then half of those days, they didn't even know what was wrong with him. They kept saying he was going to get better. He had meconium aspiration. And really that wasn't what it was. His lung wasn't even working. He couldn't breathe on his own. We were like hoping and hoping that he was going to get off the oxygen. And he never did. So at this point, not only do you have people telling you what you're going to do, but they're telling you what you can't do. And it was just all these rules. And honestly, like, like that in itself pushed me over an edge. I ended up battling. Once we got out of the hospital, I ended up, well, even in the hospital, I didn't know I had it, but really bad anxiety. And it was called postpartum anxiety. But I didn't know that that was a thing. And I was never tested for postpartum anxiety. I was only ever tested for depression. They kept asking me, was I sad? Like, no, I love being a mom. But it was like this worry that I might like trip and drop my son or he might roll over and fall out the bed or anything. Like I had all these worries. Like at this point in time, I've never had such bad anxiety to like, after I had him, like anything that I could worry about, I worried about to the point where like, let me hurry up and put this breast milk in the refrigerator. Cause I don't want it to go spoiled. And then if it, it, it spoils, then what's going to happen to my son? We're going to end up back in the hospital. Like every single thing was like an extra worry for me. And now this was the most pivotal point in how I got to where I am now because this is when I started asking. I wonder what my mom went through when she had me. What did my grandma go through when she had me? This is where I was like, wow, like we should tell our kids all about these things because I didn't even know that my mom had to get forceps with me. It, sometimes if you know these things, you can kind of like, I would say, just be prepared, you know, be a little more intentional. But started to contemplate suicide because the worry was just so bad like it was to the point where my son would cry every time we got in the car and and I didn't want to go anywhere so this is now I'm I'm worried about getting things ready to go places and my friend Crystal she was on one of the episodes she used to always ask me did I want to go places and at this point in time my son was still young and I thank her for that because I don't know if she knew but like it was so hard for me to get out the house but honestly, like she forced me because it was like I wanted to hang out with them. And when I think about it, I get very emotional because it is so hard being a first time mom when when your child is just screaming and you just want to help them. But you don't know what they need. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with them is what I've learned. But sometimes it might be something really wrong and you just don't know. So. I'm forever grateful for her for like getting me out of the house because at that point in time, I promise you, like I was not myself for so long. So I had to go back to therapy. Like after I had so much worry, like worrying about driving off the expressway, like like what if somebody just hit me and I just drive off the expressway and my baby in the car? Like at that point in time, I had to go, go back to therapy. So back to therapy, I went. I ended up also learning that I had inattentive ADHD, which was why like it was so hard, like keeping up with my son's doctor's appointments, like keeping up with my doctor's appointments, 
Um, just keep like remembering things. Like it got to the point where I was so stressed out, like, and I didn't even understand. I didn't get it, but I ended up starting a podcast the same year that I found out I had inattentive ADHD. And I knew that I needed to do this because God kept putting it on my heart. He kept putting it on my heart. And I felt like it was just like, like this is just not me. I, I knew in my heart, this is just not me. I'm not this type of person. I don't like to talk that much, especially not in front of people, especially not, not about personal things, like being vulnerable. Like that just has never been me. But I know that I had something in me that I needed to say. And I know that I needed to talk to people who were struggling through life, who also love God, who have something to heal from and who journal or want to journal. And I was reading Psalms 107 too. And it said, to summarize it, when God saves you, tell your story. And now this is me reading this now. This is after, this is me like today now doing doing this little Bible study. And that's when I came to this realization that it's not your diary because your life is not yours. When we think about a diary, we think about something that's a secret, that is mine. Only I can open it and no one else can see what's in my diary. No one else can open this. No one else can read this. No one else can be exposed to this because if they are, then I'm vulnerable. Then I'm open. Then somebody might be able to use this to hurt me, but it's not yours. It's not a secret. It's not for you and only you to keep is not your diary. It's not your life. It's not your secret because what we live through is for the generations to come. What we journal about is for the generations to come. What's in our diary is for the generations to come. Our secrets are for the generations to come. Sometimes we forget that our life is God's life. Like he's the manager. He's the manager. And we have to open up and pray um, and allow him the control over our schedule, our schedule being our life. We have to open up and allow him to control every aspect of our life. Those people who have jobs, your manager, they they control every single thing about your schedule a lot of times and you allow them to do that well let's begin to allow God to control our lives in the same way the same way I wanted to share my story because for one of course for the new listeners but two because there's just been too many secrets in my bloodline my grandma went to church but I don't know much about her faith. My mom goes to church and I'm just getting to know more about her faith. What are we leaving for our children? What what blueprint do they have? Yeah, they have the word. But what happens when, when they get in a spiritual funk? When they feel like they're not on the path that God has laid out for them? Like, how do they get back on it? How do they um, turn? When, when they feel like they can't, how, like, how do they deal with guilt? How do they forgive? How do they get through the molestation? How do they get through um, the abortion? How do they get through the mental illness? How are, if we don't open up our lives, if we don't 
open up our diaries, if we don't literally open it up so that they can see, because too often we go through life like at such a selfish level, like, like we think our life is just about us or we want to leave something for our kids, but we just want to leave money. We want to leave this wealth, but what happens when that's gone? And I talk about this all the time because we can leave a blueprint to healing. We can show them where in the Bible that, that Jesus will heal you, that you can come back to him. Like, where do we leave that for our kids? Because at some point, shame might creep in. Like, yeah, I did this. So now I can't turn back to God. Then they spend all these years trying to control their lives like me trying to control every situation, trying to trying to shield themselves. Because I even for me right now, I'm working through a lot of like, like I've forgiven you before and now I need to forgive you again. And now it's hard for me because of everything that I've been through with you, because of everything I've been in my been through in my life. It's very hard for me. And if I'm not able to articulate, it's hard for me to forgive myself in this moment and that it's just hard right now. Then what if my marriage ends up in divorce? What does that mean for my kids? Where am I showing them that, that it's okay to feel like this right now? But how long are you going to allow yourself to feel like that? What skills do you have in place to get back to wellness and wholeness in your marriage, in your relationship, in yourself? If, if I'm constantly turning towards what I want to do, then my marriage doesn't work. Then the podcast is over because I might have had a season Trust me, there have been seasons where I just don't feel qualified. I don't feel like like I can be honest with people because yes, I'm I'm struggling with this. I'm I was struggling with smoking. So like allowing God to still use me and that was hard for me. Yes, I was smoking from not while I was pregnant, of course, but after my grandma passed away, it was just like a new thing. It's like, oh hey, like what's this? This is new. And it's like dancing with the enemy. But like also my like leaving that for them, like, well, how did she get through that? How did my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, my great grandpa, my grandfather, my dad, like, how did they get through that? How did my parents work through their marriage at the toughest time? How how did um, my parents get through a child being in the NICU? How how did like what did they do? What were they doing while they were there? While they were sitting in the hospital every day, like. Like that had to be so hard. Why Why couldn't someone else tell me like, what am I supposed to do in this situation? So often we just leave the people that we love to fend for themselves. And we just can't be selfish like that anymore. So many times people are saying like, well, I don't journal, but that's fine. You don't have to journal. You can turn your video on your phone and you can talk. You can talk through what how your day was. You can talk through... Um, the fact that you're falling in your faith right now and you just don't know how to get up. You can get in a community with people. You can find a community of people to join who can assist you with your anxiety. You don't have to go through it alone. One thing about um, my journey is that like, I thrive when I have a community of people that I can turn to. And in my marriage, 
Um, I have that community, but I also was feeling like I was falling. Like, like I just didn't know. I just didn't know what else I could do. And in that moment, it's like, okay, God, I'm coming to you. And I need you to put the people around me who are going to continue to lift me up and remove anybody that's going to possibly tear me down. Because not only am I fighting my selfishness, I'm fighting these generational spirits. You know, the fact that my mom just told me like my grandma had a baby at 18 and she didn't even know. And my mom had me at 17. Well, I wasn't a teen mom. My brother hasn't been a teen parent. So it's like these generational spirits, these things that have come to steal, kill, and destroy our family, our bloodline. So of course it's gonna be harder for the next person that goes up against it, but but like we can get through it. And we can get through it together. Like I talk about I struggle with anxiety and because I've struggled with that, I know for a fact that it's one of those things that I have to be intentional about not letting it back in because I feel like that is a generational spirit. And sometimes we want to ignore the fact that like somebody else in your family might have went through what you went through and now you're keeping it as a secret. But no, like the cat is out of the bag. And we cannot, like, we literally cannot keep allowing the same things to go on in our family. Like, these generational spirits, they got to go. It's over for them. Like, it's time for us to get this generational healing in full throttle. Like, and this is why I say it's not your diary because what we journal about affects the generations to come. It's not your secret because what what you're journaling about will affect your children. What you're working through will affect your children. Uh, the fact that you go to therapy every week, that will affect your children. The fact that you don't go to therapy every week, but you maybe should be, will affect your children. And sometimes we look at it as, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. Like It's not about you. Like I talked about before, people struggling with all this joy and happiness and everything. Like It's because you keep trying to do things your way. And we know, if you read through Matthew, we know who Jesus is. We know who God is. We know why Jesus was sent to earth. We see how many people he healed. We know he's a healer. So when it comes to healing, when it comes to casting out those generational spirits, really think about what you have been up against. Think about what you struggle with. Think about if your parents struggle with the same things. Like I encourage you to think about this. Because for this episode, like, that's what we're talking about. Anything we go through in life, any, any, anything we go through in life, God can walk us through it. When we struggle, he can walk us through it. When we seek him, he can walk us through it. But you got to remember that your family needs your secrets. Every single thing that you've been through, every single thing that you go through, they need that. They need that no matter how you get it out, whether you journal it, whether you record it, somehow you need to be recording. You need to be recording what's going on in your life. And sometimes we sit here and we're like, well, I don't have time. No, you do have time. You just don't want to make time. You don't want to take time off of social media for five minutes a day to save the, your children, your children's children, and to say like what you go through doesn't matter. I just read it to you. When God saves you from the enemy, you tell your story. 
no matter what that is, no matter what he saved you from. It could be the smallest thing you think. It might not be such a huge story like the like how I felt like my story was so complicated. It doesn't matter. My story came together now over many, many years and it's still being created. It's not something like I'm not at the finish line. There are things that I didn't even share that I'm, I know I'll share one day. But guess what? Everything... I'm still journaling about it and not only like, like, yeah, this podcast is just one leg of what my children will get. And yeah, they might have podcasts like this to help them through things in life, but there's nothing like getting a firsthand story because how similar your story is to your parents' story, how similar everything about you is to the people, like the general, like you are connected to the generations that came before you and we have to accept that we have to take it on because it's on you whether you whether you want it or not and we know in the bible that generational spirits generational curses are real we know that we already know that just like we know the story with the guy who was blind and then um, before Jesus put the mud over his eyes to allow him to see again, the first question was, was this something that his parents did? Was it like, is he suffering from something that somebody before him did? Like, no, but guess what? That just lets us know that we are dealing with things. There are things attached to us. We are suffering for the things that, that people before us made choices on. And we don't know. And this is why it's so important because we don't know who our families were. Some people we've never even met before in our bloodline, but we are still paying for their sins, for their decisions, for their shortcomings. And it's time for us to just be more aware and more intentional about how we are fighting the spirits, how we are fighting our, how we are fighting for the generations to come how we are fighting for our own children. I don't, what I don't want is my son to get to a point in life and be like, wow, nobody ever taught me anything. Now I'm just an adult and I don't know anything. I don't know what a purpose is. I don't know how to find a purpose. I don't know how to walk in purpose. I'm unhappy. I don't ever want to be in a relationship because that's scary. Like him to have all this fear and insecurity. Like we don't want that. We do not want that. And it's the second that we as people now can make the decision to journal, to just just talk about what you're going through, to just talk about how you're going to get through it, to just be more intentional about living your day-to-day life. The second that we can do that, then it's like, okay, well, now let's, let's work this out. Let me invite God in. Let me allow God to step in and take over. Let me allow him to become my manager. So if there's, Anything that you learned from this message, I hope your one takeaway was at least understanding the importance and sharing. And yes, it'll be uncomfortable and it'll be different. But guess what? Blessings don't happen in our comfort zone. And I'm going to say it till the day I die because it is the whole truth. And because we're learning about the importance of sharing that means the imper- the importance of journaling or sharing any kind of way. But as long as y'all remember one thing is that it's important. No matter where you're sharing, if you're journaling, if you're video journaling, if you're vlogging, whatever it is, if you're getting it out and you being open and honest. Now I say journaling because it's private. You don't have to let the whole world in. 
You know, you can simply record a Zoom or anything and just get out what you have to say. But honestly, as long as you're getting it out, you're sharing it. You're sharing it so God knows your heart. He knows the reason behind what you're doing. And it allows him to just come in. Because we know that he is going to heal the distress. The distress meaning anyone suffering from anxiety, sorrow, pain. We know that. We know that's who he is. He is a healer. We know that he is a healer. But when we keep things just for ourselves, are we taking away the opportunity for him to bless somebody else in our bloodline? Do we want to be that one, the one who's standing in the way of of our story, blessing somebody else? Because there's somebody that's going to hear my story and be like, wow. And wait, how did she get through that? Okay. And, now, and then what happened? Like, but if I'm not open to share... If I'm not, if I don't at some point get the courage to step into what's uncomfortable for me, I'm blocking some people's blessings. And and I, I never, ever want to do that because I know that I've experienced some trials like like these, these tough trials, these great trials. I know I have. And if I have the capability to experience them, then I have the capability to to praise God through what I've been through, to praise him in the midst of the storm and then to praise him after the storm is over, after he brings clarity or if he never brings the clarity. Like I can keep moving forward. I can continue to fight for my marriage even when I don't understand what he's doing behind closed doors. I can still forgive. And yes, it might be a process. And yes, I might have to be praying for it or fasting for it. And and yes, it's going to be hard. But just because it's hard doesn't mean I have to give up. Just because I had such bad postpartum anxiety isn't going to keep me from having more kids. If God wants to bless us with more kids, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to live in fear. God did not give me the spirit of fear. So I'm not going to live in that. And sometimes people will have children and they'll never have kids again because of the first experience that they had. How selfish is that if God wants to bless you? How selfish is that because you can't get out of your own way? And like, honestly, like I stand in my way a lot of the time. And and that's what I'm working through. When I say healing, healing is a journey. It's a lifelong journey because there's going to be things that happen all the time. When I tell you I just got over the fact that I wasn't smoking, you know, I've been doing great. And then like, here comes the enemy trying to come back in and and be stick poking his little head in thinking because he knows my weaknesses and he knows the anxiety is one of the things that I struggle with. He knows he already knows. So he knows how to align the cards so that I could trip right over him, so I could fall right into him. But guess what? As I continue to be on this journey, as I continue to document it, I'm going to continue to grow. And when we journal, we grow. When we become self-aware, we grow. When we open up our secrets, when we're vulnerable with a a pen and a piece of paper or our voice and the camera, we are allowing ourselves to grow. 
And we are also inviting God in to see exactly where we are. Because when you're journaling, it is personal. You are talking about things that are secrets to you. But it's important to remember that I'm now being honest about what I'm dealing with. And a lot of us do have a hard time just being honest with ourselves. So I do have a journal assignment. I hope y'all was able to learn a little bit more about me from this episode. I hope I didn't go too off on like a tangent. But this episode was strictly um, for me to just share my story and my testimony about how God has brought me through all the things that I've been through and how he's just been working in my life and the lives of the people around me. And I'm just forever thankful. I'm forever thankful for my sky daddy. And yes, so with all that being said, we are going to do a Bible study together. So make sure you're subscribed. It's not your diary.com. Subscribe for the weekly journal prompts. We did take a little break this month. For the whole month of May, we will be doing a Bible study together. But the Bible study is actually going to be surrounded around the importance of sharing. And then after we do the Bible study, we are going to be getting in like a little community to fellowship and just talk about how our experience was. And we're going to be doing some more journaling together this summer. It'll be a little different. So yes, our focus for the month of May will be on Psalms 107. And for this actual episode, I want y'all to ask yourselves, like, what is your story? Because we're basically about to do a whole little um, month of our, like, what our story is. And what our story looks like, how we can see God's important role throughout our story. So that is it for this episode. And I will talk to y'all on the next bonus. Bye. Bye.